बचपन में सबको क्या सिखाते जाके कंज्यूमर स्टडी करो ना एक बार वाई वाई डोंट पीपल जस्ट गो एंड टॉक टू कंज्यूमर्स वन एटलीस्ट लाइक दे शुड आस्क वॉट डू यू वॉन्ट इन अ गेम एंड लाइक आई वॉन्ट अ गुड गेम टूडे इज अ वेरी सैड एपिसोड लेडीज एंड जेंटलमैन एंड एवरी वन स्टूडेंट टू the three normies you have confirmed that arsenal has lost the their title charge and uh, uh prashant here uh, very enthusiastically flew away to london to be able to potentially see <laughs> arsenal winning the trophy prashant how does it feel tell 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 us all about it yeah there was a reason i revealed that uh, before you started recording okay <laughs> so that we would not have to go through that again but um, yeah what can i say at least the weather is slightly better than what i'm used to here so at least that keeps me going but uh, yeah man i mean um, as, as as akash would testify you know um, i should not have made this mistake given how long i've been a fan i did it nevertheless <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. every every gunner knows you shouldn't raise your hopes too high let it happen if it happens it happens for the audio only listeners on the other side that is akash kumar he is uh, from matrix venture partners uh, he is super knowledgeable when it comes to games he's been a builder himself done a bunch of cool things in web 2 has dabbled in web 3 as well and uh, speaks a lot about ai which we will get to in a bit but akash first and foremost most important question how does it feel being a gunner today <laughs> not too different it's 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 been the same for more than a decade now so it's okay i don't know what you guys are sulking about man like come on if somebody told me we'll get second place at the beginning of the season i take it exactly that's my point oh yeah 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 good it's good so definitely really interesting entry into uh, into into investing as such a little bit of background about the cool stuff that you've done uh, in your startup life Uh, and then your foray into VC would be really, really awesome to hear. I, I have heard this story in the multiple places that we met and hung out, but it'll be really cool to hear that from you as well. So uh, take it away, Akash. Give the listeners a glimpse into who you are and 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 what got you to the place you're at right now. No, no, I think uh, super excited to be doing this. Uh, quick, I'll keep it short, as short as it can be. uh life started very early obviously as a engineering undergrad typical journey in student middle class family you go to your jee join iit join iit bombay i think somewhere in my early days itself i was super clear that I want to be part of this startup venture ecosystem so started a first venture in 2009 while i was still in my undergrad uh, started building like a recruitment classifieds for people who were still on campus so there was this big company called infoedge which had built nokri.com yeah. uh, inspired by what they did but thought the platform was not suited for people just coming out of colleges so we went about doing that uh, and yeah that was it that was just the start and then it just kept on cascading right did that realized uh, not a huge market to go after had my first set of interactions with venture capitalists that time this was early days of venture capital in india i think uh, matrix where i am now was set up in india in 2006 right so mm-hmm. just contextualize how early days it was uh and yeah then gaming used to be a passion uh, so went down that path uh so got him sold off the ip that we did in the classifieds one 
set up a gaming company. Uh, big audacious goal to build the biggest game from India for the world. Uh, that was the aim and ambition. Didn't know much about how to build games. Uh, learned it, and then we started. We started cranking away at it, built that. Started as a servicing body shop, became a product company, raised some money somehow. Um, learned the hard way that this. That was the time I learned my first lesson properly of saying product is as important as distribution, or rather, distribution is as important as product. Because <laughs> we were a good profitable outfit when we were doing servicing, but the moment we decided to do it ourselves as a publisher, uh, that was the death of the business. Right. Uh, and yeah, so but that was a lot of good lessons on building games, right? I think all that I learned about product management came from that. Uh, and again, I had a lot of VC interactions. And I think somewhere around that point of time, I just felt that, hey, you know what? I think this being a investor is probably what I'm better better suited for. Uh, I should learn how to be a good investor. Uh, and the path I chose was slightly different. And I think that's a question a lot of uh, my friends also ask me. People who want to get into venture capital ask me. My path was very different. It was a deliberate choice. Deliberate choice made way back in 2011 to say that hey. Uh, I need to do this, and what would be the right way to become a venture capitalist, right? Uh, and in my books, it was you need to have understood how a zero to one happens, right? You need to have had a good flavor of doing a one to ten, and you need to have gone down the path of doing a ten to hundred, also, right? Something where you do a full scale up. So, and once you've seen that entire journey, um, is when one becomes actually well equipped to be a venture capitalist. And it's, again, it's not an only path. You have great great examples of VCs who have never been operators. So that's perfectly fine. Uh, but that, that's the choice I made. And then that was it. Did that. Uh, so consciously started doing individual angel investing in 2013 mm -hmm. uh, in parallel while being an operator. And as an operator, did housing.com, which is a good 0 to 1, uh, and then a 1 to minus 10. Uh, <laughs> which, is, which is unique, so people don't know but that is also a part. I was uh, there. <laughs> then uh, did a company called Indus OS as the chief product officer, which finally got exited to Samsung and then phone pay. Uh, and Hotstar, right? Four and a half years at Hotstar. Uh, was fortunate to be a part of the journey from roughly very early days, uh, double digit million US top line to almost almost half a billion US top line, right? Uh, and was fortunate to get the chance to helm that as the head of growth across both the ads and the subscription business. And parallelly, the individual investing was also helping me uh, form my own mental models, muscle around saying, how do you pick at early stage? How do you go about it? Uh, and yeah, 2021 end, uh, I was like, great. All parts are done. Uh, now it's time to full-time switch over. And then I switched over. Uh, so that's broadly my journey. Uh, so yeah, slightly deliberate on the choice of being in venture. That's so crazy, man. Like you took the long route. If you had done an MBA also, it would have been shorter than, than doing all of this. You know? Dude, is, yeah. is, is, is that a taunt on me or what? I'm, I'm just saying, bro, it's an observation. <laughs> so, but, uh, but Akash, like, um, you know, uh, if you had to probably say one major difference between the zero to one, one to ten, and ten to hundred phases, what what would you say that is? Hmm. Yeah, I can actually put like key terms to it, and we can talk about it. We can double check. 
See, zero to one is a lot of hustle, right? So as a founder, the zero to one is where the founder is just trying to turn something out of nothing, right? So it's majorly hustle, right? Yeah. With some thought. One to 10 becomes a more deliberate journey of being more thoughtful and turning that hustle into a repeatable thing, which is done by building a team, uh, by ensuring that different teams are equipped, by making design choices of how you would want to do your org, right? So it's more about thoughtful and repeatability. Like if you had to think of keywords for that, 10 to 100 is a very, very unique journey, right? And which is where uh, the biggest make or break for a lot of companies happens. 10 to 100 predominantly is about everything, right? It, it is more about saying that, hey, I need to have product market fit. I need to have figured out thoughtfully, built an org, built a team. And I need to now repeat those multiple, everything that I did across zero to one and one to 10. Can I keep ensuring that whatever you have built as a founder, I can keep adding more and more and more of that, right? Uh, it's, it's never just a linear of uh, what you did in the one to 10, right? You have to almost repeat in a shorter timeline, you have to almost start spawning newer zero to ones, one to tens, zero to one, one to tens within mm -hmm. the office, right? And which is what makes it very difficult, right? And a lot, lot of people think that, hey, uh, and in SaaS, it's like, like in, I'll take an analogy from software as a service, right? In SaaS, it's more established where people know that your first is this, but then the revenue ramp, the inflection is not just this inflection. You keep layering, you keep layering, you keep layering, right? uh that's how you uh keep growing the business right so 10 to 100 is a very very unique thing uh and i would say very few companies and founders get the privilege to uh you know a get to that because first you need to cross the one to ten uh and then very few are able to bridge over to 10 to 100 and sometimes it's fine and then some of the best founders have been conscious to say i can't do the 10 to 100 right uh, like mm. even if you had someone like a uh, Google, right? Larry and Sergey, they just brought in Eric so early for doing exactly that, right? Mm. Maybe every founder is not meant to be a CEO, right? I think founders and CEO are two different things. Mm. to is a CEO's role. Uh, thank you for thank you for kind of elucidating that. And I was going to ask you more of a personal question because you answered my sub my planned subsequent question is that do you where do you see yourself fit best? in as a founder not not with your vc hat on is it in zero to one one to ten or ten to hundred yeah i think uh my own introspection of why i chose that i don't want to be a founder again uh was <laughs> that uh i think i i used to struggle with the one to ten right I, I i used to be able to do the zero to one very well uh i but then the one to ten i used to struggle uh and both the startups that i did i felt that uh and now, thanks to experience, like thanks to stuff done across multiple logs, especially at uh, Hotstar, I think 10 to 100 has again become a strong suit. Uh, but yeah, I, I think even today, if you ask me that, you know, what's the right way to do the 1 to 10, mm -hmm. except for saying hire well, I don't have an answer. Right? <laughs> I don't have an answer. Uh, and, and I do think it's 80 20, it's 80% hire well. Broadly, the answer is mm -hmm. 80% of it is hire well. The founder's job is to do the last 20, right? Uh, right. And I think I don't, I, I didn't do justice to that. 
is very thank you for that candor man i really feel like that's such a uh, it's nice to hear honesty uh, like that and uh, you know uh, and speaking of honesty we were all at like this crypto meetup okay i think it was a demo day that we had done and akash was there and uh, i think me some of the boys at builders tribe and some more people were there were around a table and we were talking about how something centralized is better right and the example that we took was alchemy and when we said alchemy was this and that and no no decentralized player comes close we heard this voice from the side that said hey no man quick node is also not that bad okay <laughs> and then we turned around <laughs> and saw it was akash that's what we wanted to uh, so kind of uh, on the back of that story how did crypto happen for you and when exactly crypto happened very early 2013 um okay. so crypto happened like crypto the way we know crypto happened now so actually crypt, cryptography or uh, a lot of the stuff happened very early so i started being i started coding when i was in class 5 or 6 right. um and since then even though my uh, my major at iit was metallurgical engineering i think my passion has always been comp science Mm-hmm. um and because of that for me like i i would always think of it code i still think of it code um and cryptography was something i was always obsessed about like i think in it was in the second year when i was trying to actually write a new cryptography tool uh and uh, i i sucked at it but i was trying i was just going to ask how did that go <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you realize that you can be obsessed and you can be a decent coder but uh, unless and until you learn comp science you can't crack some problems yeah <laughs> uh i think that was that so but huh, so that's how crypto always got obsessed and i think when 2009 the paper came out i was like wow this is mind blowing but that's the time when i was trying to do all my zero to ones um so never got to it 2013 is when finally got some downtime of sorts right this is around the time when um uh, i was just winding down my gaming company and the beauty was serendipity like we had a lot of high powered gpu machines uh, at the gaming company uh, and which was like and my younger brother became the inspiration who said this is great for doing bitcoin mining <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how my crypto journey started uh, so start was that and then it just kept on uh, it was then it was just insane like uh, early 17 late 17 got super inspired by uh you know ebm smart contracts tinkered around got a good hang of what how powerful it could be um uh, and i think by 17 18 i also got into a point where even my web 2 individual investing had become like a flywheel uh had backed a lot of companies by then so yeah around 17 18 i just went on a spree that decided uh, this is it i know where this is going and i'm going to back the most dumbest things as per me which were like super dumb uh which like no brainer i will back rpc node done no brainer <laughs> proof of stake i will back every component of proof of stake right so it would be uh, ssv which was shared validator then in india later uh, amitesh started uh, stata like like proof of stake is a dumb answer like it has to happen if this thing goes up i don't know it's almost like how we were joking uh recently people are saying ai right i said i have been loading up on i think my ai investing strategy is singular by nvidia 
ஆகுதுல which i still think maybe will play out maybe might not play out uh, mm. the investments i made because those are always like that that's the nature of those businesses right um, you can never be 100% sure on those but basically if you can always be sure it's like saying that when on prem to cloud happened it's no brainer just bet on the cloud you you don't bet against a secular trend right Oh, that's that's yep. really good cool. i just realized i was such a normie right now when he said that when if now that ai is happening uh, the first thing my mind went to was render and he's like nvidia dude <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah that made a that made a lot of sense uh, prash uh, I, i bet you have some web3 questions for akash as well go for it yeah um i'll i'll come to that just before uh, that uh, akash so at matrix what all verticals do you uh, look at yes yeah, so as matrix we are obviously uh, very vertically structured actually so that's one thing unique about us as a early stage fund um so we do have purely dedicated verticals uh, i look after broadly gaming media social which is again given all the life experiences of having built in that domain uh crypto web3 blockchain uh and a lot more work on frontier sectors so which is new sectors which will start emerging now uh and it's not that they'll start emerging new sectors which we think will see company creation coming from india now right mm-hmm. so if you think of sectors which are let's say drug discovery and there's so many like there's no shortage of those right um and yeah so that's broadly what i do and when it and again it's almost like even though i do crypto web3 uh see crypto web3 is a horizontal it's not a vertical uh if you really take a first principle view it's a horizontal and then you have mm-hmm. to say how does it play into the same old world of fintech right how does it play almost into the same old world of b2b software and tooling right uh so we do think that and an ai is also similar in that way it's a horizontal it's not a vertical so however in crypto web3 because there is this unique element of financialization uh, which is very unique to companies which are created there uh hence we do still think of it as a vertical but we tag team right so mm. if, if we have to make an investment in let's say institutional digital assets it would be a tag team between me and the fintech team right, uh, right. so similarly then and once we figured out that you know there is this horizontal vertical intersection even with ai i do that horizontal tag teaming with ai okay now that, that that's interesting and um, i think it makes a lot of sense to kind of segment it that way i think a lot of you know web2 funds um, is how i like to call it have gone through a certain evolution and have kind of you know um, do this vertical categorization better in a way right um, in, in fact in web3 i think um, last cycle we could do all crypto in one basket but now i think in the next cycle you know we'll also start splitting this out now right we'll have like 
when you do media and gaming i think that will probably have web 2 and web 3 to it similarly you do fintech it will have like web 2 and web 3 to it you know i think that's pretty much how this will progress um, anyway if yeah. you remember we met, we, we were talking was in dubai or singapore when we met it's almost so what happened in the last 2 3 years people saying mm. we are a crypto fund or people saying we are crypto team right it almost reminded me of the early days of uh, iphone right the uh, and avnish who's the founder uh, nmd of matrix india him and i would joke multiple times he would say there was a point of time it's so it feels uh, so funny that if you look back there was a point of time there used to be a team for web investing and mobile investing separately <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but I, i kid you not as investors and, as ecosystem participants right we tend to do this we tend to do this every time uh but hey, at the end it is see sectors will always remain sectors right yeah finance will remain finance now how you do it could be web 2 2.53 whatever you want to call it right yeah uh so yeah and um, it's heartening to hear that even now you guys are saying that you will also take that cross section view no no, no i i come from like a very ragu may not agree to this at all you know this is to vc and a web3 vc and there is no confrontation over here you guys can't just agree <laughs> with each other like this man <laughs> like and there is like go to pick up popcorn and all you guys just seem to like this is not yeah man i um, <laughs> i i just i just try to find the path of least resistance and not judge you know <laughs> that pretty Ooh, was that a shot <laughs> <laughs> so so you know you use a lot of buzzwords here right so there is web3 there is gaming there is ai uh, what i found very interesting when whenever i spoke with you is that um when we look at gaming in web3 right there is a lot of uh, euphoria around hey you know gaming is where billion users will come in you know and uh, we need to decentralize the entire gaming landscape uh, remove the uh reliance on your app stores uh, you know remove the reliance on your publishers you know we'll just decentralize the entire stack and to listen it appears sounds very good right but i do feel like a lot of people who propose these things in in crypto in web3 i have not really gone through the journey of like how a game gets built or like you know how the game economies also work and which is where i thought you had like a lot of great uh, insights to share when whenever we have spoken right so um, um yeah i maybe i can just like start with like a very uh, controversial question right um, do you believe in web3 gaming um, and what is web3 gaming exactly mean to you <laughs> so okay I- i'll start with the second one what is web3 okay. gaming and then i'll come to the first way to f- for me what web3 gaming means how can you use the constructs of tokenization uh public ledgers and open exchanges for improving the gaming business that's how i mm. think right clarification gaming business not the gameplay itself Ga- gaming business gaming business is constituted of uh, you know okay so all encompassing but at the end it's how you think of it improving the gaming business now are there avenues where it unlocks certain value yes Uh, and when i say it i mean if you break it down right you say that hey there is a construct of tokenization there is a construct of open flow of an exchange of assets uh does it unlock value for gaming yes like you go as back as 2009 world of warcraft used to do about 6 and a half million dollars a day in revenue right the gray market of their asset economy 
on eBay and others, वो spec डाट टू एक्स होता है राइट नाउ इमेजिन इफ आई एम द गेम मेकर आई वुड लव टू हैव इफ एंड दैट इकोनॉमी एग्जिस्ट बिकॉज आई हैव मेड द गेम राइट आई वुड लव टू हैव अ पार्ट ऑफ दैट राइट सो दैट्स लाइक अ नो ब्रेनर सो इफ यू द सेकेंड क्वेश्चन दैट यू आस वेब थ्री गेमिंग फॉर मी वेब थ्री गेमिंग इज दैट राइट इट्स अबाउट सेइंग यू इम्प्रूव द बिजनेस ऑफ गेम्स uh and see sometimes people think business and consumers are at conflict uh, and i always go back to the, this is unique uh video i can't recollect where uh, of bezos and someone asked him that hey who's your biggest stakeholder and he said my biggest stakeholder is my customers right at the end uh, my customer nps is the biggest measure of how good a business am i building um uh, so i don't think they're at conflict so it, it, if it re- results in making better gameplay it would if it can right uh now i'll come back to do i believe in web3 gaming uh no because of all the things the way it is treated today right mm. now think people will talk about and at, there was a point of time when people were talking about uh play to earn and it was so heartening last month last month when i was in new york and uh, everyone was there immutable founder polygon folks everyone and i asked them what's happening with play to earn i finally felt happy that at least the ecosystem they they said there is no play to earn there shouldn't be i'm like i've been telling you that from day zero right from the day you first ever came up with that term because hmm. if i go back to my days as a game entrepreneur or even as a gamer i'm a hardcore gamer i still game a lot right uh, and i love designing games uh games the core challenge of a gaming entrepreneur or gaming product designer always used to be it is the most difficult product to build because every other product you can deconstruct you can do a customer interview you can think of a need gap you can think of a consumer flow you can break it down you can write software to serve and plug those gaps right that's typical product building mm. gaming has none of that the only intent of a gaming product is solving for fun right uh that's the only job a good game designer has to do you have to get and make people feel happy and fun right that's what games do there is no concept of play to earn people play for fun people don't play to earn right and if you go and which is where i don't believe in web3 gaming right it it starts with wrong fundamentals yeah it started with play to earn at least that's gone away thankfully hmm now people are still saying it's about uh, being able to transact freely and if i have an asset here i i put so much money into growing my player x in uh, fifa i want to bring it somewhere else right i am a game designer of fifa uh, prash is a game designer of uh, madden he does not want to f up his game design because he should be solving for your game asset again it's the wrong premise right yeah so it's almost like anyone who talks about web3 gaming with that lens what they are missing out on is they're missing out on what is gaming what is the nature of mm. gaming right no game designer works like that right i am it, it's a game designer is a very very hard task it's a very hard task right now even going back to tokenization and open asset mm. 2011 12 is when free to play became like a norm on gaming right mm-hmm. not even a norm it came to the front right before that games used to be upfront paid right 
it took the entire industry of gaming and I, when i say industry i mean the businesses and designers and everyone to hone their skill of saying how do you design a free to play economy because for the first time gamers had to think of designing economies right earlier before that gaming used to be around designing just great games and great levels right that's it you had to now start thinking design economies it took 7 to 8 years to fine tune that right which was a centralized one to many transaction economy are game designers keen to do tokenized and open exchange stuff yes they're more than keen to do it uh, are they ready to do this at scale today no it will take good 6 to 7 years to again hone hmm. and fine tune this new construct of economy design because it's not in isolation so in economy the economy design if you ask a game designer he will tell you is core now to how they design a game right it's core of how they think of player progression it is core to how they think of meta loops it is core to how do they think of uh, you know different flow states of a player during uh, their level progression right you're adding a new complexity wherein earlier i was a game maker prash and raghu were players they were only transacting with me right now they're transacting with each other uh, earlier when I, it was only with me i used to have deterministic prices for every asset or whatever you uh, think of and i pretty much knew how they will get burned right uh, i could almost simul i had a full control of how those assets will get burned how would new money come in a new money was never coming into the game right mm. uh, it was these assets being used the moment i open up peer to peer i don't know how to do this like if you ask any seasoned game designer they'll tell you i don't know how to design this uh mm. take time to learn that and which is where prashant your question long answer what i believe in is what probably a lot of good game designers have now reached the consensus on right they think we do want to bring in all of these goodness we can't do this uh so at one point people start saying take a current game and turn it into web3 that also can't happen right uh what and which now i have a huge hope a very uh, now i'm super excited about web3 gaming in that way is old game designers have now saying if i have a good game which is first nailed down the problem statement of being like being fun having its own retention loops i will slowly induce and introduce web3 right and that slow is going to be i'm going to take the base game i'm going to create a meta layer on top for my super fans right uh for the hardcore fans and gaming always has this curve where uh mm. gaming gaming businesses usually do not have similar retention curves as other products they have longer retention with a fewer base right that's typically the construct of gaming uh so you'll have far maybe double digit early double digit single digit percentage of players will be long term retained but who are deeply retained right so that mm. is very different from say something like a facebook or an instagram right uh and they are saying that we'll create meta loops for them so let's say if it's a battle royale game i'll create a new sub game right uh which is a very short light touch game but which is actually about the asset right what happens if the battle royale ca- characters become a card collection game loop around the battle royale right which is much smaller loop ownership based uh and meant for uh the core fans right and once i have built this behavior of ownership with 
certain set of my user base is when slowly slowly i'll bring it back into the main game right i don't want to mess up my main game by doing this mm. this future of web3 gaming i'm super excited by right because uh, yes there is merit like and drago to your question like gameplay to web3 the like the entire thing is a gameplay <laughs> <laughs> and which is where i i keep telling i don't know whether you guys have played this is this game called uh, uh wolf game uh that's actually a web3 native crypto game you guys should play it it's a if you want to see a native crypto game it is that mm. right you actually have to buy everything in that game using uh, your crypto eth uh and every aspect of the game is economics uh you lose money you farm money you yield stuff it's beautifully done uh very well designed at least it's maturing as a product uh and yeah that's the other future of web3 game which i'm super excited by mm -hmm. uh that one, one uh thing that web3 games can do is take pure real money gaming games right like mm -hmm. games where you actually stake and that's also been yeah, in yeah. games for historically forever right uh, and turn them into new experiences right that's the other future of web3 games i'm super excited by this one edge case i wanted to chat about people used to talk about blockchains being untamperable and open and fair and all that so is there still a case for a blockchain based random number generator for things like uh, you know yeah, see, realize and... i agree so see blockchain we all believe it's all about trust right but understand you have to always be consumer backwards right if as consumers i don't know why people think there is a huge trust deficit for uh, from consumers for everything right uh, i'll give an example let's pick fantasy right fantasy sports and mm -hmm. now the job dream 11 has done over the years right is primarily build trust with consumers yes right now they've built that trust no consumer or user on dream 11 today bothers about saying that hey i want immutability all of those things are wasted mm. in short trust but the brand has built trust right yeah brand is also a huge part of trust like when when people say uh, at least in the western world apple is a brand which has built trust right it has built trust so it is trust can be built in multiple ways right mm. as entrepreneurs and consumers our job is to solve for problems and services right if someone can do it by building a brand itself which is trusted why do they need all this concept of immunity random your consumers don't care consumers mm. want trust they don't want a trust gap so they want to trust lekin aap agar if you end up achieving that by a brand it's as good mm. looking, for, looking yeah. for nail also thank you uh, uh, this is such a great call back to uh, web3 normies episode 1 where uh, i boldly went out without thinking of its repercussions saying that web3 gaming in its current form is dishonest okay and the same exact reasons that you said so guys whoever came at me with brick bag <laughs> please redirect them to akash as well uh, so that he may also feel a little bit about web3 sorry prash just had to put that in there so that no no that's good that's good i think we were uh, as one at that point as well um so i think i think this makes a lot of sense um so um i think i think this segues into like the next part of my at least the what i wanted to understand from you right so um 
consumer journey is important game needs to be fun right and there are certain aspects of web3 which we can do but play to win and all that is like you know very fleeting um what about the overall stack right now people say okay uh, web3 game has to be like you know entirely decentralized in terms of its storage in terms of its rendering to me it feels like you know i i don't think again if you look at it from a consumer's lens i don't think they would care as much where the rendering happens where all these things happen right so uh, I, I, um anyone who tells you this no sorry for interjecting ask them na matlab you you have been to be school like ask them no but bachpan mein sabko kya sikhate jaake consumer study karo na ek baar why why don't people just go and talk to consumers one at least like they should ask what do you want in a game and people are like i want a good game and then <laughs> exactly rendering to be on uh, decentralized they'll be like wt have like, what is what that <laughs> 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 i had a dollar for every time somebody came to me and said you know how much time you spend on the game and the game gives you nothing back it's time to take back what you deserve <laughs> and i'm just like bro it's given me so much entertainment why is it not quantifiable i should give more you know the the the, the extension of that is like oh you know what i was just chilling having a good time with my friends but then i got nothing in return <laughs> you can extend it to that as well ja <laughs> next next time you and i grab a lunch or drink i'm like prashant you need to pay because we had a good time we had good time. <laughs> so and now we going to tell the restaurant to pay you you know both of us <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> you are the centralized institute in between here um only, no only so so what i was going to ask is uh, just like just on arsenal huh? pain a little bit we've been supporting arsenal for so long what has it given back to us <laughs> so, uh, so uh, next time everyone will be like arsenal you need to pay because yeah. like, what that is not how it works Anyways, point made, fresh, go for it. Ah uh, no, so so yeah, so just continuing that point of view, right? So to you, when you say yeah, Web three game, there are certain aspects that you like, right? So across the stack, what do you think needs to happen for like Web three game, right? To to look more Web three rather than you know uh, Web two, or do you think it's a perpetual state of two point five as well? It, I, I think Prashant, now we are at a point where we should. move away from saying web 2 2.5 or 3 and we should say mm. and take a step down double click and say what do we want right w- what are the goodness that you want to bring to the business of gaming or gaming products right i do think there is a lot of merit to bringing the uh goodness of open economies right uh though that should happen and should that economy be on chain immutable should be because not every game mm. can build trust so easily with players right building trust as a brand takes a lot of time right yeah uh, so that can be done and should be done uh and when i say should i think it's almost what web3 lacks is no one needs to do it right what web3 lacks is good product management to be yeah. doing it because web3 so crypto and blockchain have already done the hard part they've democratized the tools that you need have already been democratized enough for anyone to say that hey if i want to use open ledgers Im- immutable pieces like all of these to establish trust i have the tool set ready i don't need to reinvent it right a brand needs to get reinvented every time so if you have to go the, down the brand path to get trust every time you'll have to create a brand right mm. what web3 has done it has given you this arsenal wherein it's saying trust you can establish just by doing this and it's a level playing field everyone can do it right yeah, yeah. 
now which in my view should ideally improve the economics of games right because building mm-hmm. a brand requires a lot of investment right and now if you're a new game maker you could use this uh, the landscape of blockchain to build trust without having to spend in brand that's a great leverage it's a huge leverage mm. i don't come across founders who think of it that way right mm-hmm. who come and say that hey this is what i'm trying to solve for trust use karne trust wala gap fill karne ke liye i'll use this i'll build a great gaming product and i will unlock open economy someone who just goes at it with that simplicity you will see the first web3 game come out which will have millions of users for real right mm. i think this is what is missing right now that no one is taking a first principle of view of what you want to do so i don't think it's 2 2.5 or 3 uh yeah you have to build a good game uh, and stick to that uh and web3 is a great leverage it can be a super good leverage like i'll give you another example of a great leverage if you have this and you have tokenized and you have asset ownership i don't give two hoots about assets moving from one game to the other for a cross publisher hmm the toughest part in gaming business is actually every game has a shelf life right uh it does decay so good to great games would have shelf life of 3 to 4 years uh goodish games would have shelf life of 1 to 2 years uh mediocre games will have a shelf life of 6 months to 12 months right that's the nature of gaming and then obviously there are legendary games which are infinite shelf life right those are far and few that's almost like catching lightning in a bottle it just happens sort of serendipity there is no science to it uh now that means as a gaming publisher or a game maker you have to keep making games right every game that you make you have to go again run acquisition retention uh most of the games today by nature are multiplayer uh multiplayer is almost a core part of gaming now so you also need to get enough amount of concurrency in a game when you launch a new game for the game to become sticky it's like repeated 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 problems mm. we are in a world where idfas have been deprecated thanks to apple right uh, and even google will follow suit very soon Mm. Omics marketing has become super difficult. CAC to LTV has become super difficult for the business of gaming. Again, if someone took a first principle view and said asset ownership and transferability is actually my way to cross sell and move people within my games, right? Mm. Saying when I launch my game one, I will create a loop which I have trust, so people will value this asset, people will trust this asset, and then I'm going to transfer this asset to my next title, to my next title, to my next title. Mm. solve for my business of saying that i don't have yep. to again break my back acquiring people right i think these are the things that if we see happen and if people stop talking and like just talking in the uh, saying that web 2 web 3 render on on chain and all of that if people went after these simpler problems the first web 3 game and uh, what most people keep saying web uh, web 3 gaming is the beachhead to billion users it might just happen much faster yeah mm. do you also see that as infrastructure matures uh, yeah. say uh, decentralized storage decentralized compute uh, decentralized rendering do you feel like game developers also have the added advantage of offering their game uh, to the customers at a lower price point do you, do you see that being uh, or increasing margin away from priced games decade back no i'm saying priced games is a construct we moved away, away from more than a decade back right No, but the in-game assets that you're selling, 
could be cheaper uh, for the same kind of comparative that do there is there is that no there is no cogs this is not a uh, <laughs> business where you have a pnl for an asset saying that a hey, cost of goods sold <laughs> this is okay. like, not like that no there's a lot of startups that come to us right now that say that hey, they, they, they probably have never run a business of gaming that's why they think of well, it not game, not game companies uh, so these guys are uh, so uh, udacity coursera udemy all of these guys have tons of certificate data that's just sitting on their servers got Going it back to ipfs is a direct uh, you know cost advantage for them yes yeah, okay. i think it's a cost advantage now now how how big a cost advantage is the question mark right? yes the larger the scale the bigger it gets right? no so it's not just function of scale right mm -hmm. so compute and storage and so if you break down the internet and three pillars of it right it's compute storage bandwidth right yes. three things uh, make up internet now compute and storage so it's compute cross storage cross bandwidth is actually roughly the equation of cost mm. right when you think of internal cost of running a internet company uh, if your bandwidth is low so if your throughput and the bandwidth need is low you will be surprised that's your biggest force multiplier on compute and storage right uh so yes is a business like hotstar or netflix going to benefit dramatically if compute and storage costs are low yes right uh mm -hmm. those businesses have a real dent a non incremental dent in their business cost if these costs go down right mm -hmm. uh but can bandwidth or that throughput or latency be solved by web3 no web3 infra can't right uh it just can't no yes. there is no way you can solve for that right uh to the extent that uh, the ideal solution for solving this is actually me putting edge compute and storage wherever i want to serve the customer uh, yeah. right yeah. now can that super ambitious web3 infra solve for it yes right uh now if you can take decentralized compute and storage to a point where it is effectively going to behave like being on the edge for every consumer who have to serve then it's a different question right mm. anything in between won't serve the purpose got it anything got it. in between won't serve the purpose really good perspective yeah, raghu it's a uh, it's also very similar to what sai was also mentioning yeah. you know from a metaverse perspective i think it's like a pretty similar take even we had yeah that your iphone today has really really powerful uh, interest, uh you know hardware uh, can that be used uh, into this that is a promise that the three can go after for sure no really interesting um, no i mean i was saying um, there are a lot of offshoots of this discussion we can go into but i think we should come to the second big buzzword uh, <laughs> that we wanted to discuss right which is ai right um and yeah i don't i don't really know where to start on this okay but uh, i'll just say this okay um six months no before six um like 2020 uh, 2022 and before right um, ai still felt very much like okay there's a lot happening but uh, you know there is much more um, of like a promise that is not being met right and uh, suddenly in the last 3 to 6 months it feels like ai's moment is here and it's really here right with uh, with uh, gpt auto gpt bard everything that's coming on right um so i think that is my view right and i think it pretty much resonates with uh, everyone right now so 
um akash so from your perspective right um how do you um, how uh, did you see this wave coming and uh, you know at like a very high level where do you think this is going and like what all is it going to disrupt that people may not even have thought about yet or may not even be ready for wow such a such a loaded question <laughs> but uh, yeah I, i don't think anyone can see these things coming right uh, you can have a sense of that it is around the corner right uh, hmm. i think for a lot of us there was a sense that it is around the corner so that was there but if anyone tells you they saw it coming they're lying right you can't you can never see that happen uh like if you couldn't technology see it coming uh you would be like a gazillionaire right like i don't know if you could be so sharp about it uh so i think see around the corner it always felt like because see ai people forget that this is this is probably the sixth hype cycle of ai right um so as early as post world war 2 era to now anyone who has been in com science or you know been obsessed about computers for them uh this concept of ai or a machine being able to do what it does on its own has always existed right uh so the amount of research and effort that has gone behind this is actually that old right uh mm. and over years it just kept on changing 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 we the a lot of basics started happening right compute cost unlocked all of that started happening uh it moved from being in research to actually being in uh enterprise right it used to be a very research and academia thing but in 20 early 2010s it started moving into uh the world of uh, let's say enterprise right uh like if i was to ask you what's the biggest ai company that you know of today uh what would it be oh chat gpt probably <laughs> on deep mind the biggest ai company that you know of today is actually facebook and bitdance right uh mm. bitdance has been doing ai for ever mm, yep. right? so yep. so in early 2010s it started moving to enterprise uh ai was always part of recommendation systems right uh netflix has been so ai ml however you want to use those words mm. it's been there it was just brewing 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 slowly slowly why did it surprise you that in a world where people used to worry about that is facebook listening to me right and showing me ads about what i talk and they do not and they are so precise in being able to get that right mm. uh why would you think that ai was already not there so it was it was already brewing right i think chat gpt did two things so a it brought to product state the transformer approach to doing ai right uh before that before 2015 uh so 2017 is when the, the google team wrote that uh, attention is everything paper which was more about transformers 2015 a microsoft team wrote the research paper which was a precursor to transformers um uh, before that even the academia and research used to be very split on saying should we go down the rn uh, rn route or should we go down the transformer route what's the right way to solve for uh, this uh 2017 sort of brought convergence onto the efforts being put all across being on a transformer like approach which is when open ai also just took a shot at it and said that we're going to go with millions of dollars <laughs> behind it which research and academic cannot right mm-hmm. uh, they cannot do that uh, 
and hence chat gpt is a emergence of a lot of things which just fell in place and then it had this aha moment right when you just launched it to the world we had all seen siri alexa and all of those as natural language processing bots and then you had chat gpt right and it just blew up right now this was not the only thing which happened stability was anyway working on stable diffusion right mid journey was also happening and i think very recently sam at some event or something mentioned right like the intuition piece he can you be so intuitive about it the intuition piece forever in the world used to be and sam says that ai would have dislodged basic jobs like factory and all automation in factory was supposed to be the first thing mm. um, solving for coding was supposed to be the second thing but potentially the second far out thing and solving for creative would have been the last right almost it, the it out the other way around yeah no the ai thing i think anyone uh, in engineering itself we used to learn fuzzy logic and neural networks and fuzzy logic is in our washing machines right now to figure out what the right uh, wash mode is for uh, for clothes right like so i feel like it's one of those things that we wish crypto and blockchain was which is ubiquitous right when it comes yep. in place you don't even know that it is there and i'm playing yep. against the computer on any game it's it's essentially it's right and and a very good ai at that especially with the new with the new games are still yet to win a game in legendary mode on fifa it's i know you can't you will you will not you will oh, how man <laughs> it's like so anyways you, you get you get the point i feel like it's one of those things that when you see some sort of product market fit it just embeds itself into the into all our application stacks without us actually even knowing about it we are virtual assistants uh right now uh, just the conversationality that say something like google uh, google's assistant has it it seems to it seems to be there the question that i do want to ask you akash is that who wins in ai i, I think you kind of alluded to nvidia in the in, in the beginning but for all the ai software level developers who are building companies around things that are ai powered uh do they really win because you may see the most wonderful thing that somebody has launched using ai and a week later five other people have launched it because these learn uh, language uh, your llms are completely open sourced right now uh, no, and- so i agree i i i think it is uh, slightly anxiety inducing for anyone to think right especially if you're a entrepreneur to say that hey who wins it is moving so fast and it is actually moving so fast right uh, a lot of people say it is moving fast like uh last Six months, my life has been pretty bad state because I have to spend almost six, seven hours a day just to keep up, right? Uh, and uh, it is moving ex- maniacally fast. Like I have not seen anything move this fast. Like if you actually mm. to the trenches and think of what's happening in research, academia, like yes, day before yesterday, I posted on an internal group that someone has now done a RNN approach to transformers, which is turning out to be far superior. Dude, this is like six months. Six months in, and like now we are back. I thought academia, like everyone had decided, transformers is the way to go. So it is. It is crazy. Now, in all of this anxiety, where one might think that anyone can now do anything, right? You mm-hmm. something, you'll have six more. Again, you can't forget the basics, right? Uh, if you think of what, who you want to solve for. right so let's pick a very simple thing let's say text to audio right 
Now, today, text audio is open source. Anyone could do it. Anyone can start doing playing around with it, tinkering with it. Now, text to audio for me as a uh, casual user for some small casual use case, I'll happily use open source. Great, fine, right? I don't need production grade. Now, take one step back. Text to audio for someone. Let's use a marketer or a brand which wants to now use text to audio or uh, audio to audio via text transcription to say to localize their ads, right? I made an ad in English. I want to now localize it in Hindi, Tamil, Telugu, right? Because that's that's always better. I would need more. I would need the quality gap, right? Shrinks. I can't work with the open source, right? It's great, uh, but this their need would be slightly more complex. So they will start needing tools which actually solve for using AI. But then, because AI output is not going to be hundred uh, percent, saying that hey, how do I solve for pitch and emotion and accuracy, right? How do I solve for those things? And someone will have to then build the software which allows you to do that. So anyone who goes after that problem statement, that's the difference, right? So you'll have so you'll have hundreds here on the open source side, casual use case side. For this marketer's use case, probably you'll have four or five, right? Uh, take a step further back. Let's go movies. They can't even go down. They, even for them, this doesn't work, right? They need actual deep dubbing, right? Uh, they need dubbing, which is because an ad. Think about it. An ad is typically thirty seconds, twenty seconds, right? So all the slips and misses are not so comprehensible to an end consumer. A movie is a 90 minute, uh, 120 minute phenomenon, right? Much more deeper. Uh, many a times is going to be, uh, you know, where people are queued in high attention. The problem statement is different, right? There will be a different company, which is not just going to use this. They're going to solve the harder problem. So the short answer is, Base AI, open source or closed source, will keep maturing. It'll keep growing on its own. Itself will keep becoming more powerful. Will it be powerful for every use case? I don't think so. It would be powerful as a base. Then you'll have to do what I like to call scaffolding. Right? It's almost like you'll have to do stuff on top of it uh, to make it ready for that deeper use case. Uh, and everyone who's going to solve for those things, they'll keep building good businesses. Got it. Uh, but even in the case of, say, new uh, language uh, models for Tamil or Telugu or, and for use cases like movies, isn't that also go, kind of skewed towards the person with the largest data set uh, to be able to build the most accurate model for it, right? Like, no, so no. So it, that's what I'm saying. It's not necessarily model, right? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about just the model. So. Let me make it. So I think it's more a question of human in the loop plus model, right? Oh, uh, okay. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And because you now have a human in the loop plus a model, right? Uh, the way you design these workflows changes because earlier you were designing workflows purely for humans only. Now you have to design workflows for human in the loop with a model, right? And a simplified example of this would be. You could go and hit up ChatGPT today um, and ask it to write code for you. It can, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I've been documenting these experiments and uh, once I've done all of them across multiple languages, multiple uh, frameworks, I'll even put it out. You can go and do it. 
it will write a piece of code now what if you if you are not someone who knows how to code you will not be able to plug gap find gaps in that right yeah. when i ask it to write a piece of code let's say i i prompt it to say hey write a flask app for doing abc list down the steps and do it right and it does it i scan and read the code and say you haven't included a method to do this and then mm. it will say oh sorry i missed it here is the code for that then mm. i would have to prompt it and tell him oh but you are still forgetting that there would be a get request which will be happening at this point of time which is in this part of the code uh, and this is conflicting oh sorry let me correct that right mm. so this is human in the loop right so right. is so some same piece of code which would have taken me let's say 10 hours to write now i can write it in 1 hour right uh, mm. and but and ai is doing it for me I, i'm not even writing code at all right uh, but you need that human in the right so and this is for something and imagine if you think of the complexity of ai right you can plot the complexity of what problems ai can address on like a 2 by 2 right you have syntax and grammar right mm. now anything which has high syntax high grammar i would assume ai will get 200% of that so this coding example that i took high probability in less than the next one year ai will get to a point where i won't have to do this what i was telling you you have to tell mm. and do this right because programming languages are hard syntax and grammar right, right. so wahan tak pahunch jayega then it is going to be as good as it's like garbage in garbage out is going to be as good as the prompt that you give it right, right. So as long as i'm able to give it the right prompt uh right it will be able to write the size code less than a year right anything which is on the other parts of the quadrant of grammar and uh syntax i don't think ai gets 200% right you will is mm. require that human in the loop and by the way even i'm saying even when it gets to 100% you need a human in the loop who tells it what to, what to do right yeah. it is yeah. the output is as good as the input of what you want from it right yeah. so that's prompt the engineering guys the number of prompt engineering courses that i've seen on twitter is not even funny <laughs> but now i see that it's actually pretty useful people need it at some point only i achieve so when i say the input you give it so i think prompt engineering by the way is a transitionary thing that's my view um when i say what the what is more about see a prompt engineer can't solve for saying what are the steps see it's almost like when you des- decide to write a new piece of software uh the top down des- des- down design of your software is you think someone has to think in their head right this these are the building blocks these are the components this is how i'm going to plug this is how i'm going to do the plumbing right as long as you're able to do that ai will do the rest of it so i think prompt engineering mm. is a very transitionary thing right yes. mm. prompt engineering is today there because ai is not 100% on grammar syntax the day i get to 100% grammar syntax on programming prompt engineering won't be needed yeah So, and do you think that's just a year away to get to that level of uh, on, on, on coding? I would say less than a year. Interesting. Okay. Um, mm. See, so <laughs> does this mean salaries go down? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Right. See, so now can this be done? Can AI do this to solve for uh, you know harder problems? 
right okay so soft pure application software light touch stuff yeah that goes down i'm sorry like mm. we're just so mm. fighting it right um that that job is going to get trivialized right um what the job of saying that hey how do i write a low latency code or how do i do architecture that go away no that will not go away right uh cuz those are very different skill sets uh like and which is which is like very, but again 50% of the world is still in that soft uh, and easy part yeah. that is going to have a tough time right uh yeah. but for engineers right who are not just coders do they go go away no they actually become for them it's a superpower right yeah. mm. uh, for them it is like a augmentation thing they'll start doing work at multiple fold of productivity right, right. uh cuz they hate writing trivial code right uh and you solve that problem for them so uh, i would assume and but which is where the answer lies right so let's say if this gets dislodged this simple software stuff is like i am hopeful that if a smaller set of people are getting augmented with a superpower they would create newer avenues right where again things can be used the same people can be used so i think mm. uh, uh it's it, this is the nature of that creative destruction phenomena right like it, it, it's going to destroy first and then it's going to create uh, we, let's just hope that the time lag is not too much between the two <laughs> but uh, I, i don't worry about that so much that's awesome. I, i just feel um, you know governments are also um, very slow in uh, comprehending what's happening on the ai side because um i think there need to be some at least in my mind there has to be like a lot more regulatory intervention in terms of like how ai proliferates right across industries and uh, not not just for like coding and like loss of jobs but also in distortion of i i i i agree but i disagree that it is doable uh, <laughs> <laughs> i disagree that it is doable because see regulation always plays a catch up game right especially yeah. with tech it has just been playing a catch up game um and my worry is with ai that catch up game is near impossible for regulation like how do mm. you catch up with something which from the day you decide to regulate and by the time you'll have your first meeting to regulate <laughs> would have become something else ai regulators that's the answer yeah. <laughs> and and i think i think that's why probably elon even you know uh, uh came up with that petition of like slowing down work on ai right uh, because hey, well which is not huh? from I, i i don't think anyone who has gone to that school of thought and it's not just elon many people right um, yeah. have gone to that part i don't think they are coming from a it's a school of thought right yeah. I, I, this is where the world now starts moving to which school of thought do you belong to right um i think that's a very cautionary school of thought uh and i sort of am somewhere in the middle where i do subscribe mm. also that it is actually scary that the pace at which it is going yeah maybe that is the answer right you don't know mm. right yeah uh, however i would always want to believe to that earlier example that i gave of creative destruction that mm. it it will just find its answer on its own it's okay right it will find its yeah. answer uh so i don't think there's a wrong or right answer to it i yeah i i'm more hopeful and optimistic about this but i do also think that the other school of thought is somewhat right and um um where, where do you um yeah i have to ask this now right um 
See, Web3 is, this, uh, is, is what we all probably, at least Raghu and I thought, will become a lot more ubiquitous than what it is right now. And AI has like just, you know, gone through the roof in terms of how uh, common it has become, right, in the last three to six months, even though its impact has been felt for much longer. Um, do you see areas where uh, AI and crypto, you know, uh, intersect? Um, to me, at least, you know, the immutability of blockchain in terms of like this distortion of truth, right? makes a lot of sense over there but are there like any specific areas that you are particularly focused on or you can think of just to just to add to that akash before he does it uh, i think my uh, it kind of comes back to the topic of nvidia right uh, will nvidia be able to match gpu demand that is required for ai in the case that it becomes more used than what it is right now because it's the common example that people use for metaverses as well if i have to now render everything in 3d uh, unless it's done at the edge at scale, I don't think the compute exists or storage exists for for doing that at mass adoption level. So just to layer Prash's question, uh, does the intersection of AI and Web3 come in at the absolute base distributed compute and storage level? Got it. I think the identity one or immutability one is a 100% given, right? That I think... Uh, I would rather go on record and say maybe even before gaming becomes the beachhead of taking blockchain and Web3 billion planet scale, I would be surprised if it is actually not solving for identity, right? Because in a world where you're going to have so much synthetic content uh, being created, in a world where, and I, I some of my posts I've written, it's a world of infinite content, right? Like we are moving into that world now. Uh, infinite content, infinite synthetic content, lots of deep fakes, lots of things. And I think a few days back, there was an example of like a blip in the uh, indexes on, you, you know, the Pentagon attack, sort of a misinformation, right? Um, I think maybe that is going to be the first use case where immutability of blockchain becomes mm. that use case, right? Way before anything else, right? Because this is, I, I, and I'll tell you what my, why I think it is needed and why it would very soon. Because the people who are at loss with misinformation or deep fakes, they are the ones who would want to plug it, not the bad actors, right? Now, you could say that, Put it on generation that every platform will start saying that synthetic one is watermarked or something but they Raghu was saying everything's open source you can't you can't plug it at the generation point right what you can plug you can plug it at the generation point for people who are generating the real stuff so it's almost like saying that hey if i was a big uh, tech uh, journalist or something anything i write imagine if everything i write was actually written on mirror.xyz Right, and that's it. That's the single source of truth of whatever I've written, and it is immutable. It is, and because it's on chain, it's there. Now, anyone who is masquerading or doing synthetic or doing anything on top of it, right? If I plug it into all top of funnel platforms uh, to say that, hey, this is the stamp of my work, right? If any any identity is linked to me, work would be here, and that is it. Uh, I think some solution of that nature will be needed very, very soon. Very, very soon means like very soon, right? Uh, and that's your immutable and blockchain going. Mm. Does, it make money? Does it make money? 
ஒரு <laughs> as opposed to the money that it would actually make the money would be built on top of these infrastructures but uh, i think that the three actually allows for those open source projects to be oh, sustainable and actually uh, could be but i i look at it at much simpler analogies right i think the simpler analogy why i think again uh, nfts could even before gaming or anything could be the big one for uh, blockchain and constructs of blockchain going mainstream think think take us back right when uh, when we started seeing industry machine produced produced goods why do you think uh, a lot of people still want to buy the handmade stuff right now if you take that analogy and stretch it out the moment the world of content moves to a lot of synthetic right all of a sudden you probably will see again uh, a move and a move shift back to people saying that hey this is not synthetic right and one of the easiest marks of that not synthetic is potentially going to be done by the nft route right uh, so i think uh, this one i'm actually super excited about that right. that because this is a real use case this is a this is mm. not a this is an outside in use case this is a problem seeking a solution yes right? uh it's not a solution seeking a problem which used to be the pain point of web3 right uh <laughs> it is what it is man rakesh <laughs> 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 the, the second question right like ah, the... so the second part which is the decentralized compute piece right is it needed uh yes but not to as great extent again uh, i think uh, you, if you follow models are becoming smaller you have something called as low rank adaptation which is continuously shrinking and getting you the same output uh, and so but again it, it it goes through cycles you'll find newer out need for outputs models will expand everything so yes and no not as acutely but it would be needed uh, that you need more compute and everything on the edge uh, is there a potential for someone i think as of today the largest on edge compute storage and everything is basically your ios devices um uh, they actually pretty much the latest ones even have a dedicated silicon just for doing that uh, so i think it's already there wishful thinking uh, if you talk to people who are building in ai they would say getting compute right now is a big problem right for me to get mm. like a h1000 cluster or something just doesn't exist right uh, crazy demand uh ambitious thought someone should try and take a shot at building like the helium for the compute saying that let, let me let me take let me take uh, where helium failed was it was again trying to solve a wrong problem but yeah. if someone goes out and says let me take every single plugged in mac and ios device in the world and turn it into an edge compute cloud 
uh, I don't know. It pro probably will solve some problems. A lot of small scale developers could just start using that and plugging that and building apps on that. Yeah, could work. Could work. But yeah, that's sort of yeah, it's needed. But we, not, we see again not in, as uh, much as not sorry, just just to kind of reiterate that. Yeah, point, yeah. but not as much as the uh, Filecoin and RV maxis would have you believe. Huh. I don't know if that much, not that acute, not that acute a problem. Got it. See, also, um, I think uh, Raghu also the other way of looking at this is, um, you know, this is a real, this is a, to some extent a problem, right? But the way Web three approaches a lot of these problems is that it very quickly becomes all about the incentive layer, okay? Yeah. And uh, then no one, like a lot of people, then you know, you ask like nine uh, hundred people in Web three about Filecoin. I think ninety percent of them will not know that you know what it is supposed to be doing under underneath the file token, right? Yes. And I think that's the fundamental problem with Web3 because if you uh, even look at the limitations on compute created by NVIDIA, right, and also within AI today, there is so much free capacity, right? Uh, and I think the problem is there that people are trying to solve, but it always gets into this economic loop, which uh, you know uh, just attracts seems to attract more speculators than the developers or the you know um, real problem solvers. You guys want a fun drinking game? the the next honor honor of the show <laughs> the show only next web3 meetup that you go to take a take a shot every time someone says incentive <laughs> i promise you a fun night <laughs> nice dude I, I i already think i have a drinking problem i don't want to be doing <laughs> we should catch up man. we should be, we've been talking about drinking for a really long time but uh, it's never happened uh, but, uh, on that on that nice note uh, Akash, thank you for joining us and becoming an honorary normie. Uh, I think it was a fun episode for episode. us to demystify yeah. a lot of the lot of the buzzwords that we hear around. So it was a pleasure for me, and I think I speak for Prash as well when I say it. We hope to have you again on the show at some point. But uh, for now, uh, Prash, if you have nothing else to say, signing off. Nothing else. Thanks a lot, Akash. Yes, great, and see you guys soon, man. It, it is super fun doing this. I think I hadn't caught up with the both of you in a very long time. Uh, yeah. So let's figure out when we are grabbing drinks sometime in real life. Done, done, done.